Design New Podcast, Episode 18. If you are stressed, stretched, and stuck, and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at tinamurray.com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board Chelsea Latham. Chelsea specializes in helping millennials who feel overwhelmed, stuck, and confused to gain clarity and confidence to move forward in life. She is a qualified social worker and has helped hundreds of women overcome life challenges and become the best version of themselves. One of her many passions is adventure travel, and she has spent 18 months hiking all over the world, including all those places that end in stand that I cannot say. Join me as I chat with Chelsea about a quarter-life crisis. Hey, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me on the Design New Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's such an honour and a pleasure to be here. Oh, no, pleasure's all ours, I'm sure. (laughs) Tell me, what are you doing right now to design your best life? Oh, good one. Straight into it. Yeah. Right now, I've implemented a morning routine that I'm actually sticking to and it is blowing my mind. And I can talk about this for ages, actually, because a part of my morning routine is exercise. I go for a walk every morning. I do a five-minute journal, which has three questions that I ask myself every morning and respond to, and also daily affirmations. And can I just say, I've been a fan of daily affirmations and it is Blowing my mind, changing my life. So, Why? Tell me, tell me. Why is it blowing Uh, your mind? (laughs) Because it's realising what it is that I've been struggling to accept about myself because it's forcing me to do things like look in the mirror and say, uh, Chelsea, you are beautiful. I completely love and accept you just as you are. You are perfect today. Everything you need to uh, make today the best day possible is available to you right now. So all this stuff is pretty, it's pretty big. It's really stretching me and pushing me to see outside of my like little box that I think yes. I've been living in for the past yep. 33 years. <laughs> yep. Helping me to see beyond that to, yeah, just stretch my mind to think well, what is really what do I really believe my, about myself mm. and who I want to believe about myself because I have the power to believe what I want about myself. Yes. So what am I doing about that? Yeah. And you're right, though. It's that discomfort is when we actually get to challenge ourselves and see who are we really and it's that stuff that pisses us off or that we go, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. That's where the magic is. That's where you got to delve deeper as hard as it is, as uncomfortable as it is, because that's when you start to grow and discover more of who you are. Yes. And I think there were things sitting there dormant that I hadn't actually mm. believed, like, like that, I, that I wasn't, yeah, didn't know that I believed. So some things that were a bit, you know, like very much protecting of myself, like not wanting to step out and believe that today could be the best day of my life. Like, yep. 
why wouldn't it be? Why would I doubt that? Why am I choosing to doubt that instead of taking that step out and being like, today is the best day of my life? Like that's one of the affirmations. Today is going to be the best day of my life. Nice. And so then I'm doing, and it ties into my five-minute journal as well, which is asking um, one of the questions that asks, the first one is what am I grateful for, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, fantastic. I mean, like um, generating an attitude of gratefulness. Sure. Um, But the second question is what will make today great? Nice. Huh. I had never even really asked myself intentionally that question before and to set myself the goal of being like, hmm, what will make today great? And then I write it down. I'm like, okay, now I have to go out and do do that or achieve that or get, yeah, that's right, getting clear. And I think a big part of it is getting clear. Like, yeah, that is what is going to make today great. And and I'm taking steps to make sure that today is the best the best day of my life. Mm. Yeah. And it's not just fumbling through. You're actually, you're making it a conscious thing because you're writing it down, because you've had time to think about it. And you're thinking it in a positive light. It's it's not just what's going to make today good, which is an awesome thing. You're taking it to the next level. What's going to make it great? Yeah. Yeah. And it's pushed because the first week you do that, like it's, you know, you kind of stay in the comfort zone or it's pretty easy. Like I was writing things like, Going out for coffee. <laughs> like that's one of my favorite habits and routines. Treat yep. to myself, it generates positive energy and makes me feel good. Yep. But what about going beyond that? Like, what is going to make today mm. great? Yeah, just stepping it up and challenging myself each day to go bigger and beyond that. Like, yeah. you know, getting a client today, making my largest sale, or not even, like even things like. Um, like to, you know, I'll be completely vulnerable today in my five-minute journal and what will make today great. It was like staying in a positive mindset all day and being completely aware of my emotions and catching myself when I slip into negativity. Like, wow, that will make today great. Like if I can be fully aware of my yes. emotional state and continually generate positive emotion all day, yep. that's a great day. Yeah. And what I like about that is you're actually acknowledging the parts of you which you do want to work on and look, you're allowed to have emotions. You're allowed to be upset. If something really shit happens, you're allowed to be sad, but it's about when you stay in that. You need to acknowledge those emotions, but even just saying to yourself, okay, maybe I'm not as positive as I need to be throughout the days and I'm going to be conscious of that is really starting to get an idea about where you're at in that process. It's cool. And that's, yeah, that's why the five minute journal is good as well because it it has an evening segment and it Mm -hmm. says, um, like three amazing things that happened today and what would have made today better. So it's not like perpetuating this thing of being in denial about bad things that happen. It's like it's mm. just I like that part because it looks at it's been like, okay, of course there would have been things that you could have improved upon today. So what were and not beating yourself up about them and not yeah. looking at them with a judgmental frame of mind and just nice. giving yourself permission to yeah, look at those things freely, non-judgmentally and being like, okay. That was an area that I would like to improve upon. Or, yeah, I could have um, uh, spoken to that person in a more loving way. <laughs> that's a common one that comes up to me. <laughs> I'm sure that's the same for many of So what's the third question you ask every morning? Oh, the third part of, yeah, the morning segment is um, daily affirmation. So it is I am dot, 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 and writing down those three daily affirmations. But I've taken that to the next level because I felt like I was it was getting repetitive and I was um, struggling to be creative in that space so now I use an app and um, that 
yeah, it came through. It's called um, My Affirmations, if anyone's interested. And it comes with a bunch of preset affirmations, but also you can add your own in. So whenever I recognize like an unhelpful way of thinking, I'm being proactive in replacing it with a positive affirmation and putting it in my app. So Mm. I'm retraining my brain every morning, reprogramming it and yeah, reading through my app, saying them out loud. Uh, yeah, so that's the third. That's the third question. What an amazing way to start each day! It must. It, what's the benefits that you've seen, like in the weeks that you've been doing it? Oh, so much! <laughs> like <laughs> I feel so much more open, especially like the the way it's really impacted me most powerfully is my interaction with other people. Like mm. now, I feel much more open to receiving and hearing from other people like I think I've just got a deeper peace within myself so when I have interactions with people it's like I feel like my chest is open my face is is like more like has lit up a bit like sometimes I even look in the mirror and think oh I look bright like it's weird and I'm just inviting more positive people into my life and I'm having more positive interactions with people and more exciting things are happening that are in alignment with my passions and values, I suppose. Yeah. Like even us doing this interview together, I'm like, yay, like this is such a fun and exciting thing. And that, you know, it's just lots of lots of positive, exciting things like this are happening. Fantastic. So tell me what it is that you're passionate about. And I know you work with millennials. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I'm really passionate about helping millennials navigate their way through a quarter life crisis because When I was 28, I went through my own quarter-life crisis and it was very overwhelming and confusing and I didn't know which direction to head. And so, you know, I tend to um, (laughs) be extreme and, you know, I'm a bit of an all-or-nothing personality. I don't do anything half-hearted. If I'm going to do something, I do it all the way. (laughs) So uh, my response to that quarter-life crisis was to quit my job, move into into state, and then I ended up going travelling, like backpacking for 18 months which was a fantastic experience. You know, it mm. was um, oh, it was just such an amazing time and it was one of the best things I could have done. However, looking back on that, I think it was perhaps an extreme response and not sure. something that needed to take place. Like now when I talk to young people and who are going through their own quarter-life crisis, I see the temptation to kind of like just pack it all in and to do something extreme, like to go find themselves overseas or to, break up from that long-term relationship and like go and explore themselves in other ways or whatever. So I work with them alongside them to help them work out what's really going on there and they don't have to pack everything in to get that sense of peace and clarity back into their life. Yeah. And you're right. A lot of us do do extremes. Again, it comes down to that discomfort when we're uncomfortable we go, I just don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. What do I need to do to be comfortable? So it's like, I'm just going to jump that way rather than taking stock of where we're actually at. And that's right. As soon as we can get into that discomfort, is when we actually start to make the changes and can move forward. And we don't need to do the extremes. But I know I'm preaching to the converted there. (laughs) No, but you're right. Like it's a really good point. But that the thing I find is not everyone, which is obvious, but sometimes I'm surprised. Not everyone wants to go deep into the discomfort. Like I think if someone. Yeah, yeah. But if someone had presented the program to me at that time when I was 28 and I was feeling lost and confused and like everyone had their life sorted out and knew which direction they were heading and I felt like I was like struggling and getting left behind. If, if I had 
you know, come across someone who had the solution or like someone who, you know, helped in that area, I think I would have been like, yes, sign me up. Like I want to go mm-hmm. deep because what I, uh, the like I take my clients on a set program which works out helping the individual like know themselves, like know their personality, know their values, know their definition of success, all these things. Mm. But it is it is tough work and that's what I say to my clients before they go on it. So this is not a quick fix. Like we're going to have to do a bit of work, doing some soul searching and go deep into that discomfort. And mm. I'm so exciting to work with people who are willing to go there, who are willing to do that sometimes painful and tough work to get to that place of being like, yeah, now I know who I am and I know what I want in life and they can yeah. move forward with that confidence and clarity. It's yeah. very exciting. Yeah, it makes such a big difference having that clarity about what it is that you want because then everything, mm. the way I look at it, everything comes up against that. Does that go towards what I want or does it not? If it doesn't, don't worry about it anymore. Move on. It makes exactly. life much simpler. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the overwhelming thing. Like when you're in your 20s, like, and in this day and age, like there's so much bombardment, like so much information from so many different directions and it's so easy to get distracted with the new shiny thing. And like mm. this is for all of us, but particularly I find in your 20s you're incredibly susceptible to this. It's like, oh, but that looks really good and that looks really good. So having people really get clear on who they are and what they want when mm. those shiny things come along, they're able to step back and be like, ah, uh, this is, looks great and shiny, but do I really want this? Is it in alignment with me as a person and what I want in life, mm. uh, no, I'm going to exercise some self-discipline and put that to the side and keep moving forward in my goals. Yeah, yeah. So you're basically working with the people who are who are doing it before the people I get who didn't do it, who are in their late 40s and 50s. <laughs> so 20 <laughs> years later, I'm hearing the same thing. So I think it's a, it's a yeah. human response to our busy life and not having the time yeah. necessarily or the inclination to really do that deep work. Yeah. yeah, if it doesn't. That's why it's so cool that we're connected because yeah. I feel like yeah, we work with the same problem just at different stages in people's lives. So exactly, you know, <laughs> I worry that I'll do like such a good job, Tina, that I'll do you out of the job. But I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I don't think me and my crises are going anywhere. <laughs> Probably not. We'll see. We'll, we'll let each other know in a few years' time. Um, one thing you touched on was that comparison with everyone else that there's this sense that everyone else's life is perfect. Tell me more about that because I think that's a very common one with a lot of people. Yeah, well, particularly, and then when you read uh, the literature around a quarter-life crisis, and I'm not sure maybe many of your listeners have never heard of a quarter-life crisis because it seems to be people who I speak to in their 20s, it's a very common, like everyone knows what it is, but as soon as I start talking to people older than that, they're like, oh, I've never heard of a quarter-life crisis. But yeah, that sense of like uh, that sense of feeling like everyone is moving forward. Everyone's either like getting married, settling down with kids, like graduate, finish their uni degree, getting the high paying job, and that person who who is stuck in that quarter life crisis is thinking, "Oh my gosh, everyone has their lives sorted. They know what they want. They know what they're going." And of course, it's in our heads because really, in your twenties, like who really knows like what it is that they want? Like sometimes it's just like you know working it out along the way. But there's this perception that everyone has got it so sorted or more sorted than us, which yeah. is completely untrue. We're all just on a journey working it out. But having like seen a coach or doing personal development work or spending that time in that self-reflection doing things um yeah like working out who you are I think it definitely helps that process of, of um 
drawing back that tendency to compare to other people. Mm. I've found in my own personal journey that getting clear on what I want and where I was going meant I was less likely to compare myself to other people. Mm. I was more like, cool, like you're you're rocking out, you're doing your thing, you're, you know, you're married with kids, cool. If that's what you want, go for it. But, yeah. you know, I know where I'm heading and I know what I'm doing so mm. I don't need to look over there and think that the grass is greener. Yeah. But that's a self-esteem thing too because that means when when you've done this work and you get to know yourself better, you know that just because it works for someone else, as you just said, it doesn't mean it works for you and that's perfectly okay. When we are comfortable with ourselves and we're not comparing ourselves as much to other people because we don't need to because we recognise that we're all perfect in our own way and where we're at is good in its yeah. own spot. And the other part of that though is it's very external. A lot of the things that we were just talking about are, you know, the great car, the great house, the great relationship. And we don't know what happens behind those closed doors. We don't know what facade, you know, we all do it. We put on a facade to the world on, on some level, even if we're fairly open, there's still some stuff we're not going to tell everybody. And mm-hmm. so it's very um, much an external stuff. We don't really know what's happening on the inside. Exactly. And I think not that I want to blame social media for everything, but I think social media perpetuates that Mm. cycle and has played some role in the quarter-life crisis because most millennials are on social media and and use it frequently and have been exposed to that Mm. highlight reel of people's lives. So it's so easy to have FOMO, like when you're going through your feed and it pops up, you know, that someone's now in a relationship or someone's now engaged or someone's on this beautiful holiday and this gorgeous location and we think oh gosh like I don't have the money to travel to that beautiful destination or I don't have this partner who bakes me this gorgeous birthday cake and buys me red roses on my birthday you know these things and it's completely distorted because it's only what people want us to see which we know with our heads that that is really hard to implement in that moment when you're doing a scroll on Facebook so I think that really does feed into that um Everyone else has got it sorted. Everyone else has got this great life and we're not exposed to what is going on behind closed mm. doors, like the relationship struggles, the financial difficulty, like what, you know, the low self-esteem, whatever it is that's going on. Mm. I think people are less likely to be talking about that stuff with the rise of social media. Yeah. yeah, especially to a, um, a global audience, which is what, yeah, the moment you put something on Facebook, even if you've got pretty private settings, the chances are that it, it can move out into yeah. the bigger world. So you're not going to say that, whereas you might say it to your close friend. But you're right, yeah. what we're putting out in the big big world isn't isn't everything. And nor should it be. I don't know that I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even then I feel like people are less likely to share, even in the face-to-face arena, like with a close friend. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure like what's what the situation is in generations that have gone beforehand, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that, you know, millennials, because of the disconnect of due to the rise of internet, like even when two people have been meeting face-to-face, two friends, feel like they are less likely to talk about what's really going on in life, mm. what's happening down because of this perception that everyone's got it all together. Mm. And, and also I think what's contributed to that is just the, the breakdown in community, like the lack of, lack of community that we have this day and age compared to 
20, 30, 40 years ago. Like I remember growing up in a small country town and we were so intertwined with the families around us. Like we would just drop by my parents, you know, with us as small kids would drop by unannounced and vice versa. You know, if we needed something, we went to them rather than the store. Like now it's not socially acceptable to ask, go to a neighbour and ask for a cup of sugar. Like you're expected to go to the store and get your own damn cup of sugar. (laughs) don't have that reliance or dependence on one another anymore. We're mm. so socialised and, yeah, that's probably due to, you know, the rising, like, more um, disposable income, we have more affluence and, yeah, we're just further disconnected from many reasons like social mm. media, a whole bunch of things. So, yeah, I feel like it's really sad that we live in this time that people aren't connecting emotionally like they used to. Mm. It's interesting you say that. I was um, coaching a young girl many years ago and she was around 24 at the stage and part of, we were working around business, but of course, social life comes into it too, because same things, it's about values yeah. and who you are. And it really was changing where she was at and who she was dating. Like she really got a real awareness and was yeah. like, I'm not wasting time with that person because he actually is not someone that I know that I really want to be with. And she was looking for a relationship, not just for a, a fling. And part yeah. of the thing that really amazed me, and I'd be interested to get your perspective on this. As an old fart, when a guy was dating me, I wanted him to ring me up. I wanted him to talk to me on the phone. You know, texting's cool amongst it. Like I'm not that much of a, you know, but I really wanted to hear his voice and hear his expression and really, you know, get deeper with that. And she was dating this guy and she said to me, I actually find it much more comfortable just to be texting with him rather than the talking on the phone thing. And I found that as a, a real challenge because... Mm. that wouldn't be enough for me I actually need that and as I said I'm you know I was a lot I was double her age but yeah I'd be interested in your perspective on that and texting and that community in that sort of way by remote really yeah and I wonder about that because I feel like talking on the phone amongst millennials it's just not doesn't seem to be the dumb thing anymore Mm. like it's not like it's it's socially acceptable, sure. Like you can do it. You can call someone, but to call someone that you're kind of interested in, that's a massive step. Like that's possibly bigger than meeting face to face. Which sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I think it's I don't know, like maybe like the awkwardness, like the pressure on that phone call. I'm not I'm not sure what it is, but I can definitely relate to this yeah. for your Protein. like talking on the phone is a massive step and yeah I'm not sure what that's about and perhaps it is that ability now and the comfort zone that we're in to hide behind screens like yeah. it is so much easier and safer to text even though when you think about it the likelihood of misinterpretation and miscommunication in text is so much higher like it's such riskier territory you're much better just to pick up the phone and call someone yeah but it's definitely like that a fear factor in there but, yeah, I haven't gotten to the bottom of it, Tina, so thank you for drawing that to my attention. I might do some research and, you know, market research on that. <laughs> yeah, let me know. I'd be really fascinated to know because, again, coming back to that that thing about interpretation, that's a huge part of it, but it's also time. I often will pick up the phone, especially when I'm driving because I can't text, yeah. but also I'm driving in the car. It gives me the time to talk to someone. Awesome. Yeah. Like. I don't just need to listen to the radio. I can be doing something productive with my time. But on top of that, yeah. by the time I've rung someone and gone, all right, what are we doing on Saturday? What time? Blah, 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 blah. That has actually yeah. been a two-minute conversation 
rather than back and forth with text and interrupting what I'm doing because oh. we can multitask. I don't know why we think we can, but we can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true. But I wonder, like, how often is it that you do have literally a two-minute conversation, like calling someone, booking in a time to meet, and then that's it. Like, I because for me, that never happens. <laughs> maybe because I'm a talker. Maybe that says more about me. But when I'm on the phone, usually, like, if I'm on the phone, I it's generally a half-hour conversation. Yeah. And I think maybe it's one of the reasons why we do avoid the phone because it is a time-consuming activity sure. and we feel like we don't have the time to commit to that. Yeah. Whether that's true or not. <laughs> well, I suppose it's about putting the parameters. If I do ring someone up and go, it's just quicker to say this, it usually is a very quick conversation. I agree, though. Okay. Um, catch I don't know. Okay. Well, you're, I need to take a leaf out of your book. <laughs> that could be my new thing. What will make today great? Sitting in boundaries with people, I have phone conversations. <laughs> but I do find it hard, and something I've recently got into is um, – Sending the voice memo. So with Messenger especially, you just hold the button. Yeah, are you into that? This is a new revelation oh. for me. I'm like, this is all because I get the human connection. I get the, yep. the voice and yep. it's fast and it's simple and I'm not stuck on the phone for long periods yeah. of time. So, yep. yeah, this is something I've discovered, which I love. Yeah, no, I've been doing it for quite some time for exactly that because I understand there's that whole – next level to the in, well, people listening to this podcast, the intonation in our voice, it's bringing us to life or not, depending on the situation. Um, but you really get a better understanding of the person. So especially if someone's reached out to me on Facebook, if I'm getting back in touch with them, I will nearly always do it through the voice memo. It's a pity they only go for a minute sometimes. Yeah. But it, it's great because it means I get a better understanding of me and what I'm really saying through my voice. And, and again, I'm time poor. So to be honest, I do also do it because I need time. to do things quickly. And it's a much quicker way than me typing something in. Mm, yeah, yeah, good one. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit slow on the uptake with this <laughs> one. But I found a lot of people don't use it. So no. I'm not sure why. Like, it's a great thing. So, yeah, I'm going to get into that more. I've known I've, a lot of people have told me that they're uncomfortable with it, with, number one, with hearing their own voice and then on top of it, just getting their finger around pushing that button. I've had a few people struggle <laughs> with that as well. <laughs> Which generation? <laughs> I'm not going to comment. <laughs> Fair enough. That was me. <laughs> All right. So perfect question for a millennial. Where do you see yourself in 50 years' time? Oh, that's a good one. And I just want to clarify, so I'm 33. I'm on the cusp of the millennial bracket. So mm-hmm. I do include myself as a millennial because I was born in 84 and that's the cusp, but there is no hard and fast definition. So pretty much if you identify as being a millennial, you're a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like if you went through a quarter-life crisis or a mid-life crisis. That's what you identify as and that's what's happening. So where do I want to be in 50 years' time? Oh, I love that because at the moment I'm really passionate about growing my business. Like my core values are freedom, adventure, um, personal development, generosity and wisdom. So all these things are really um, playing into my ability to be a coach, to help people you know, grow and learn about themselves, but also to um, have like an adventurous lifestyle and a lifestyle where I can have the freedom to um, do business how I like. So it is a very millennial thing to want to start your own business. But for me, I find it really ties into my core values. So in 50 years time, I would like to continue to be running my own business, to have it on 
a much bigger scale, like to have uh, a strong online presence and to continue to be able to uh, coach people in a one-on-one capacity but also run courses and things like that. Then again, I'm going to be 80. Gosh, Tina, that's really going down. (laughs) So when I'm 80, like I want to be retired on a beach somewhere with the person I love hand in hand and perhaps my kids on the other side of the world, like rocking out and doing their own thing, like, you know, growing up with their own kids, pursuing their goals and dreams and really taking life by both hands. Like I think that's what would make me happy. If I could see, not even necessarily like my biological children, but like I guess the legacy left behind, like whether it's my children or uh, people I've influenced in some way or um, friends that I've come into my life, if I can see them living life outside of like the confines and the bounds that society has placed on them and if I can see them being like living life true to themselves and true to their own passions and their own skill set and their own identity, that's what would make me so content and so happy in knowing that I've lived a full life because I believe we've all got something unique and special to give to the world. We've all been created on purpose for a purpose and it's so important that we tap into that inner gifting that we've been given because the world needs it. So yeah. but often it gets squashed down by what other people think or fear or you know, um, pressures from our parents, what they think success should mean in our lives. And we don't give ourselves the freedom and the permission to, yeah, really grab hold of that calling and and running forth with it. Wow. So how can people get in touch with you? (laughs) Uh, How can people get in touch with me? Good question. Facebook, that's where I'm most active. So my business page is Chelsea Leatham Millennial Coach, or you can just personally message me at Chelsea Leatham. And my website is chelsealifecoaching.com. So I'm very accessible in those ways. Beautiful. And if you were going to leave a message for all of our listeners about how to live your best life, what would you suggest? Mm, um, Just to don't be afraid, just to grab it with both hands and run with it. Nice. (laughs) Because I believe we've each got... We each have got that voice in our gut. Like we know, we know deep down what it is that we're meant to be doing. We know what our passions are. We know what we want, but we just become afraid. So don't be afraid. Go for it. Give it a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? No such Mm -hmm. thing as failure. Just learning a way that didn't work. (laughs) Just keep moving forward. I like it very much. And as all those millennials move forward with that sort of advice, it's I'm sure it's going to make the world a better place. So I love it. Thanks, Thanks Chelsea. No. Thanks so much thank for you your so time today. No, thank you. I've enjoyed it so much. It's such a like privilege. I feel so honoured that you've asked me to be on the podcast because you're, I'm a massive fan of yours. I've put you up on a pedestal. I really <laughs> admire what you do. So thank you very much for having me on. Oh, thanks, Chelsea. Appreciate that. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. 
You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.